welcome to the 13th episode of the High Side News podcast. Today's podcast is being recorded at uh, 3.03 on the 17th of May. Over the weekend, we had the 1,000th Grand Prix event, which was also the fifth round of the 2023 MotoGP season from the historic Le Mans circuit. Joining me today to talk to you all about the latest MotoGP action is the usual short shift news duo of Dawn and Jack Hammersley. Good afternoon, Dawn. How are you doing? Fine, thank you, Luke. Good, good. The 1,000th Grand Prix uh, was this weekend. Did you think it lived up to the hype that was obviously created uh, about the event in the build-up? Yes, definitely. It was a really good round. Very exciting, as usual. Yeah. Uh, hello, Jack. How are you doing, mate? I'm good. Uh what did you think of the the racing as a whole that we saw at Le Mans? Because Le Mans often delivers good racing, and I think it was. What, what did you think of that? Just thought it was chaos as normal, and just never. You just, I just honestly have no idea now at this championship who's going to take it because I don't think anybody wants to win it at the moment. Yeah, I think you've uh, you've summed up pretty well that uh, there's not a consistent championship sort of front runner at the moment. Uh, Let's jump straight into it then and talk about MotoGP. Uh, I think the main talking point that we have to go straight for is the championship leader, Francesco Mangiaia, uh, crashed out of the French Grand Prix. That's another main feature uh, race that Peko has crashed out of. Um, it was in an incident with Vinales. Jack, what did you make of, of that incident with, with Peko and Vinales? Do you think blame could have been put onto either of them or do you think it should have been shared like a, a, a racing incident like it was uh, probably for the sake of everyone thinks it's probably best you just share it between the pair of them both wanting the same piece of tarmac after the overtake because Vinod was a tiny bit wide and Pekka had the right to be on the inside which then flipped to the outside and they both just naturally went into the same path well I think it's just just a bit crazy but I mean at least for Pekka this time it's not He's, at least he knows why he's crashed this time. It's not like he's fell off and he's there questioning why he's crashed. He, at least, he, well, obviously, and it wasn't fully his own doing. So, to that side, I think it'd be, I think it'd be perhaps probably the positive to take from it if he can. But for you know, five feature races and three DNS is not good. Well, we out of all the race, if he has finished the race, he has won it. So, um, I think if you go off the feature races alone, he'd still be third in the championship. So. It's not going disastrous. It's not a disaster, but you definitely can't afford any more DNFs in feature races because at the moment he's the only person who's been the strongest at every single round, and he should have got a podium in every single round. Everyone else barely can stay inside the top five. So I think Baku just needs to maybe be a bit reserved or something like that. Just even he can't be reserved because everyone's so aggressive, but just try and be more bit be like it was in Portimao, just be a bit more methodical and everything. Yeah, because he was looking, um, not scrappy, but he looked like he was up for a fight, which you could sort of see throughout the race. And I think uh, Dawn, after his sprint race performance, where he was third, but it took him a while to get into the rhythm. Um, it looked like, I, I haven't seen anything, so correct me if something has come out, but it looked like maybe bike problems, maybe couldn't get his tyres up to temperature at the start of the sprint race. Did get a third place in that. What did you think, you know, of Pekka as a whole this weekend, Dawn, from the sprint race to the main race? Because he was running running at the front when him and Vinales went down. Yeah, it was such a shame. It's like you say, he's not having it all his own way and he is having to fight to get to the front. Um, so a very difficult weekend for him. And you don't want to crash in any race, but he just seems to be crashing out to the main race that's going to give him the most championship points. Um, and it was just so unfortunate what happened with him and Vinales. And I just think that Maverick was just a little bit wild because even the commentator said, this isn't the man we're used to seeing. And then the next minute, him and Pekka were like, you know, colliding and in the in the kitty litter. So, yeah, he'll another round, unfortunately, he'll want to put behind him. Yeah, um, we say this about Pekka. He is still the championship leader. Somehow, at this point, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm, I don't really quite <laughs> see how. Um but only by one point now. And the man who is very hot on his heels at this point, Dawn, Marco Bezzecchi, won the main race. He's done this before. We've seen good performances from him before. Wasn't really there in the, the, the sprint race. What did you think of Bez? Because really, he's, he's been a revelation this season. 
he certainly has. I mean, the pressure of leading that race, you know, he'd got no real idea what's going on behind him or anything, but to lead and then the gap he'd got, and he just rode the perfect race, and but nobody thought that was coming. I think probably you, you might have thought Luca may have been up there and definitely on the podium, but he, yeah, he's he's running a masterclass and showing all these uh, older riders how it should be done. Yeah, he. Um, I have to admit, he. I think he's slowly becoming a fan's favourite when when you watch him. Obviously, I think he had a, a big following before from his Moto Two days, but. He's really sort of stamping his authority on the championship now. Jack, do you think we can consider Marco Bezzecchi a true championship contender? Or do you think, say, Pecco in that 2023 Ducati is going to develop more throughout the season and they will become the front runner again? I think Pecco will always be the front runner. He'll always be the favourite to win it because he's the only, he's the only, he's the strongest one and he's always the strongest one, no matter where he is. He's the only consistent runner. But I think Bez. I think at the moment it's between Bez and Binder, between who can be the the strongest rival towards him because Binder, if he just got a look, I think if Binder hadn't been forced down to eighteen from lap one, he he possibly could have been in the probably got out second place something like that. So I think it's between him and Bez. But I think the the twenty twenty the GP twenty two Ducati is very strong. It's it still holds flat records. You know they haven't been able to break any lap records this weekend or last weekend. So. I'm thinking that that bike naturally can still be competitive and fight for wins every single round they go to, no matter how much that GP23 progressive and progresses and develops. So, yeah, Bez is um, definitely one to look out for at future rounds, especially at Magello as well. Yeah, because you look to last year as well, where Bastianini was on the 2021 Ducati. And at this point of the season, he was still fighting for, well, he won at Le Mans. In a, in a scrap with, with Paco. So, you know, it, it, you're sort of seeing the same thing that was happening last year, really, with one of the old year, one of the last year's Ducatis is putting it to the main factory boy. And I'll go again to you, Jack. Do you think pressure is on for Paco now? Do you think he's feeling it with, like, the excuses he's he's giving now for, for reasons behind? And what he said recently of he doesn't think satellite bikes should be I don't know the exact quote, but it was a gist of um, satellite bikes shouldn't be as competitive as the factory bikes. Yeah, I think he's selling. It was only round five. There's still twenty. There's only fifteen or fourteen or whatever, depending on India. But it's all you know. Still two thirds of the championship to go. There's a long way. So I don't think Packer needs to worry so much. He just needs to gain finishing those feature races more. And I think. Maybe from a marketing standpoint, you might have a point because when you only had four riders at the front, it's easy to market people. You go, oh, it's just Ross Lorenzo, Joseph Stoner, for example. And everyone knows them. And whereas now, because you've got so many names, it's harder to market 24, 22 riders plus. So I think that maybe that side of things is right. But in terms of racing wise, it's much better to have all the riders within a second of each other, more or less. So I think it just depends what angle. You're looking from things, whether you're a marketing guy, riding perspective, the team. Also, I think as a rider, you don't you prefer to have less competition. But I think as a show, you'd rather have more people. I mean, he definitely would have less competition if you look at the other factory bikes that are around him in the championship. You see Binder in third, and then you have to look down to uh, seventh for Vinales in the championship for another factory bike. Um, Dawn, do you think? Pecco is feeling the the pressure already, and or and do you think he should be feeling it at this point with the likes of Binder and Bezeki hot on his heels in the championship? Yeah, I think he will be. Like you say, especially if it's not just a rider that yeah, like pro last year it was um, Quattararo, and now there just does seem to be a different group of riders coming hot on his heels. But I do think he can handle pressure. Um. It's just a little bit of luck got to go his way as well. But yeah, it, it it's only early in the championship, but it is a long way to go. And I think all these rounds that have not gone his way, he's just got to put them behind him and not focus too much on the championship, just face each round as it comes. Yeah, he did that last year. And actually, he started winning races again and started being the, the peco we'd seen before in... Uh, 20 what was it 2021 towards the end of that as well and the end of 2022 it almost seems like he can't start a season 
like on a complete strong foot. He always has someone close behind him at the start of the season. And really, well, you say about Fabio Cotteraro, he's lucky that the Yamahas aren't competitive and Fabio can't be up there. He has Mark Marquez back as now as, as well now, who I'm sure we're going to talk about because he had a decent weekend, all things considered. Actually, do you know what? Let's go straight to him to him now. It seems like a, a, a good place to jump over to him. Mark Marquez, Jack, he was back. He was on the front row. Was it fifth in the sprint race? He was fighting at the front in the main race. <sighs> Crashed out of second with like two laps to go. What did you think of the return of the eight-time world champion? I wasn't surprised at all with it. Um, it's what I expected from him. Uh, I think he was, it was very sad to see him crash out, but it, 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 with how much he was holding off, pushing to hold off Martin, you could maybe see it coming because you know how much he pushes the limits of that Honda in the front end. So, yeah, but I think he's, he'll be, I think he was just happy enough to be fighting at the front again, fighting for podiums for 25 or 27 laps. Uh, but the pace was apparently Peck, when Pecker was talking, he said the pace was generally slow. From apart from Bez, everyone was slow. He said so. Maybe he was just fortunate, or maybe that's just generally what the pace was for everyone but Bez, and Bez was just on a on a really good form. But I think Mugello, we'll see. We'll see also where Marcus comes in that. Mugello's not really one of his strongest tracks. He's only won there once in the GP class, so. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised, obviously, if he's fighting for the podium because it's Marquez. So, but I think he think he's just happy to be riding on the bike and be fighting for podiums again. Yeah, once again, the the only Honda really that looked too competitive. Um, Dawn, what what did you make of Marquez's weekend? Because it 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 was strong. It it looked worrying for the other riders for if Honda can sort themselves out for next year because it looks like Mark is fully fit again doesn't it yes definitely I mean yeah it was a great round for him and even though he crashed it, it he must know now he is capable of winning a MotoGP race again and just to keep that momentum with him but I did sit here before the race started and I think I actually said to Jack do you think he's going to crash and I think Jack said no and I said I think he will so it's what we expect, but no, he should take all the positives and he is definitely back now. Yeah, that Calix chassis, you said, helped him a lot, especially with that the new arrival for, for Honda uh, that arrived at Le Mans. He did. I believe he destroyed one of them in one of the practice sessions, I think. Um, but still, was up there fighting for a podium. Would have put together a good result. So it's promising signs for Mark, not necessarily Honda as a whole. They're still in a bit of a... A lost place, you could say, as a as a manufacturer. Um, I mean, let's talk about the rest of the podium. We sort of jumped around them a little bit. Uh, well, really, there was three other satellite riders in the top five. I'm um, going back to the Peco's point. Two Pramac Ducatis and a, a Tech Free Gas Gas was up there as well in the race. Uh, we'll talk about the, the Pramac riders. Jorge Martin had a brilliant weekend, I thought, and this really is the first weekend where I thought. Martin was the standout rider. He it's sort of what you've been expecting from Martin all season that he said he was going to show in preseason. It's just finally arrived. Won the sprint race, second in the main race. Jack, what did you think of Martin? Did you think this is finally sort of the the, the Martinator as such as he calls himself that's back? Yeah, I mean Super Pole race. He did exactly well. I think every not Super Pole race, <laughs> the sprint race. Um, I think he did exactly what we expected him to do from from the start of the season. He took as soon as he took the he was really aggressive at the start. He took first place on lap two or three, and then he left him, and he let up. Jesus, no one knew where he went. He gapped Binder by two and a half seconds or something like that. Nobody could touch him in the main race. He was a little bit slower, but I think he made a mistake somewhere at the start of the race at Garage Bear, which. Possibly cost him a chance to maybe go with Bears, but yeah, really strong weekend for Martin, especially considering he's never scored a point at the one before this weekend. So, uh, yeah, good stuff from him. I'd forgotten about that. I remember, I remember hearing him saying about how he'd never scored a point at the one, but that it just, yeah, it just didn't seem sort of correct with how he's done in the past. But that was his first podium in a in a long race since Valencia at the end of last year and it's his first this season. Dawn he came into the season 
talking himself up because he was in a show that Ducati made the wrong decision with Bastianini. Obviously, Bastianini's been injured since round one. Martin's now fourth in the championship. Do you think he's putting together some good results finally, or do you think there's still a lot of room for improvement for, for Jorge? Yeah, I think there is room for improvement, but he, he has started really strongly. And when I knew that these sprint races were going to happen, in my mind, I just thought, Martin's going to clear away with these. And I was quite shocked that he didn't really, because I thought he seems to be, at the start of the main races, he's, he's quite, you know, he's up there, he's sharp, he's fast. So I did think that the sprint races would suit him. But I think having this success now is only going to make him stronger. Yeah, I was just looking back at our, predictions we made at the start of the year when we said who would win the first sprint race and me and you both went for for Martins I think straight away we were thinking that it's sort of well you look at where he'd been in the others and I I can see them in front of me second eighth third fourth and first sort of that's just not how I expected for Martin because you normally think of him fading at the the end of long races but it's almost been yeah it's just it's been a little bit underwhelming so far from Jorge but I think maybe that could be the round that's finally gonna click him into gear as such and yeah. make him fight at the front we'll talk about Johan Zarco next his teammate the home hero uh the fans were going crazy all weekend for for Fabio and Zarco it's with a record attendance actually I think for a for a Sunday wasn't it a MotoGP event Johan Zarco third place in the main race um how did he do in the sprint thinking about it Sixth in the sprint race, but he's not really a sprint race master as, as such. Jack, what did you make of his of his home race? Obviously benefited from a few crashes in front of him, but late race pace again from from Zarco. Yeah, I mean, and he got lucky as well because he was also involved in the Alex Marcus incident on lap one. Had that not happened, he might have got you know he could have got second because we know we know Zarco's late race pace is probably one of the best with like Bastianini and, and Co. So. And it was at that point in the race where the, he was closing the gap by half a second a lap to when Miller was at the front controlling the pace. And it was just like, you know, all the French hearts were getting up and like, we could be seeing if we could be finally seeing a backflip. But unfortunately, not quite a backflip, but it's a podium. So I think um, his second podium of the season, his first dry podium. So I think um, Zarka will take that and um, try and progress forwards to Mugello. And he, I think it's important because this. The first half of the season always seems to be his strongest, and then the second half he just fades away a bit. So, if he's going to try and get that first victory, I think it's going to come in the next five races, unless it's wet and at some races in the second half. Yeah, because I think back to Silverstone last year with Zarco running at the front and crashed out of the lead, and it's just the one where and you see that you you see him in that race, and you think he's going to win it, he's going to win it. And with Zarco, it's always a thing of when it looks like he's got it sorted, he throws it down the road, and I don't want to say it because I want him to win, but it almost seems like he's always going to be a nearly man. And it's ah, and it, it's sad to see because he came to MotoGP with such promise. And I know the win is in there, but uh, will it happen? Uh, I don't really know. Um, well, we'll look down the order now to Tech 3. And that really, as a whole team across the MotoGP and the Moto3 class, they had a great weekend. A 4th and a 13th place in the MotoGP race. Okay, only thirteen riders finished, but we'll let that we'll let that go. Um, Jack Augusto Fernandez, where did that come from this weekend? Like, I I can't quite figure out what happened. Any idea on what sort of may have finally worked for Augusto? Do you think it's just a track he likes, or or what's the situation? Well, he dominated Le Mans in Moto Two last year. Uh, he won that race by I can't even know, but it was a massive gap at the end of it. <laughs> Um, I think naturally he has a just a natural riding style for the track, and from FP one he, he was he was inside the top five <laughs> until everyone started putting their the soft rubber in. So I think he just naturally just clipped the bike at the track, and everything just glued itself together, and he put on a decent performance. We know KTM usually is good on its tires, and he picked up and he held off Alicia Spargo for fourth place. Yeah, I'm just looking at his past results in Le Mans. Um... A third place, a third, a third, a fourth, a DNF, a first, and then his fourth in MotoGP. So it's not, you know, it, maybe it is a track that he he likes. Uh, I didn't really see much in the media about it, but it was it was a big deal to say he's the only rookie in the field. 
and he did take it to the front guys. Battled with Alicia Spargo as well for a little bit. Um, yeah, it, it was good to see. And Folger got points again. So, you know, impresses from, from Tech 3. And I'm sure we'll talk about their Moto 3 efforts in, in a moment. Um, one rider that I did want to talk about, the other home hero, Fabio Quattararo. Not a great home weekend, was it, Dawn? Crashed out of the sprint race, seventh in the main race, did benefit from some of the crashes around him, but stayed on and picked up points. Again, just, and he's had to come from, and he was started in 13th place, I think it was, because he was knocked out in Q1. The last two events, which I think is the first time in Fabio's MotoGP career that he's been knocked out in Q1. What did you make of the whole Fabio and Yamaha situation again? Yeah, it was just dreadful, really. It's sort of a bit painful to watch now when it keeps going into the garage and you've got Lynn Jarvis there with this stone face. But even though, like you say, he finished seventh in the main race, when he just kept it, he just looked like he'd got no fight in him to even progress. And obviously he got seventh, unfortunately, because of the crashes in front of him. But, he, you know, I thought, oh, he's in uh, inside the top 10 now. Will he progress up? But he just didn't. He just didn't move any further up the order, so want to forget unfortunately I don't know what the next round's going to hold for him yeah I can't think how he's done at Mugello historically he's won there before I think was that in 21 he won there yeah yeah um yeah we'll, we'll have to see and keep watching because they had the test at Haref and everything that Yamaha bought he wasn't happy with pretty much so I think I read somewhere that he's going to try and take the current Yamaha as close back to the 2021 Yamaha as he can now to try and get some sort of feeling back. But you, when when you hear a rider's doing that, you just know that they've lost all confidence in the bike. And Reminiscent of, of uh, Rossi in 2018, he was like, we've got to go back to 2016 to find the, the pace. Yeah, it just, yeah, just shows that there's no confidence in the current spec bike anymore. And, well, the Morbidelli situation's another story as well and i don't know if we'll have doubt we'll have time to go into that um yeah we'll go on to moto 2 because that i think oh, i might as well say it i think a lot of british fans would have been very sad seeing that result from the race sam Lowe started on pole i thought it was going well my prediction was on i thought at that point i thought it, it was happy days he had a good start as well he was in third place Crashed out going into the first chicane on, I don't even know what lap it was. Um, Lap two or three, yeah, something like that, very early on. Got lucky, really, with a red flag being shown a couple corners later. Got back for the restart. Didn't get out of pit lane in time for the restart, but his bike was rebuilt by his team, so fair play to them. That was very impressive. Didn't get out of pit lane in time. Had to start from the back of the grid. Managed to pick up one point with a 15th place finish. Jack, what did, what did you think when you saw Sam Lowe's crash out? Because he looked, again, a bit like how he was in Haref all weekend and then it just, just went away in the race. Yeah, it was just like... It was funny because the BT guy was like, oh, it's going to, now it's Sam versus Pedro for the championship. And I was like, well, you've just completely forgot Arbolino. Obviously, we'll get onto that later on. <laughs> but we're like... How can you can't say that because Sam's done one good race yesterday, he's had a great weekend, but we know what Sam's can be like and he can just make this odd mistake and crash and lo and behold that's what happened, unfortunately. Luckily he did my salvage a point, but just gotta pray that uh, the stuff mistake doesn't happen again because he can be a championship contender, but he's he's already lost quite a lot of points. Yeah, you you've just said it there. Sam Lowe's can be a championship contender on his day, but it's just when that Sam Lowe's turns up is we've seen it in a ref it can happen but it's got to the point now where it happens three times a season maybe that sort of Sam Lowe's turns up and yeah it's just Dawn what did you think watching Sam slide out because the front just went away from him and ended up in the gravel he looked confused what was your first reaction seeing Sam go down yeah painful <laughs> oh no he's done it again not again yeah yeah, I just can't commend his team and um, Arbolino side of the garage. Everybody was fighting like mad to get that bike back and the fact that they just missed it sort of by a second because else he could have come back and he, you know, he could have won. But 
I just hope that he can put it behind him, doesn't let it bother him, and that he can come back and be strong, like we know he can be. But it, it was just so unfortunate. Yeah, we know Sam can be strong. We know he can fight at the front, and hopefully we'll see it in Mugello again. Hopefully it's not, excuse me, knocked his confidence too much and he'll be able to carry on from where sort of he, he sort of left off. Um, we'll talk about Tony Arbolino. You've both mentioned him there, and why would we not talk about him at this point? The Moto2 Championship leader now leads by 25 points exactly. Um, really just another dominant ride from Arbolino, set the pace at the front. Salach was close behind him in second place, but it almost looked, Jack, like Arbolino was managing the gap a bit like what Acosta's done in the past. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, he ran wide. I mean, I don't, it was that garage van I noticed at the time, like he's gone wide and the beat, and the BT guys never saw it. It was like, <laughs> it was like he's run wide at garage very and he's lost a second and then he lost three tenths and then Salich, I think Salich just got that toe and that's what was keeping him there, keeping the pressure on. But uh, yeah, I think what I think what I think what it was was he got the message that Pedro crashed out at, at the worst. I think they should have waited just wait for him to get out of the corner because he probably would have looked down at his dash, saw Pedro out, and he'd looked up and probably missed his braking zone or the shock of seeing Pedro. Maybe did something. So I think that had a part to play in it, but. He kept composing a great race and he took victory in fine style and now he leads with um, a race victory's worth of points and I think he he is I think he's the one who's the 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 rival to Pedro this season, not uh, not Sam, but I, I think it's definitely good. It's definitely like probably like the last few seasons have been it's gonna be Red Bull KTM IO versus Mark BDS for the championship. Yeah, it it probably will be and we're going into his home his home round as well now with Mugello and he's on good form he's he looked confident even after the race storm what did you think because he he's really sort of matured as a rider at this point and he's really sort of coming of age in Moto 2 now yes definitely like you say he to me he's the contender now for the championship we perhaps never thought it, it was going to be a Costa so I think it's it Costa's got to try and catch up with him now but Great riding, and he just knows exactly what he was doing at the front and delivered another masterclass. Yeah, that was his. Uh, just looking at how many, his fifth win in Moto2, his second of the season, and his fourth podium as well this season. The only time he's you know only been off the podium once, and that was a fourth place in Spain. So he's really consistent as well at this point, really showing good results. Um, yeah, I... I think I wouldn't be surprised if Arbolino does win it this year. It'll be a good battle with him and Pedro, and I hope they do have some scraps throughout the year as well. I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah. I did think Philip Salach was going to get into a scrap with him at one point, and I was hoping for it a little bit. I like Salach. I think he's a good rider, another one who's coming of age now as well. Got the Grassini links, finished second place. Good result for him. Uh, Alonso Lopez in third on the speed up. Also produced an, another good race was there. Vietti was actually involved towards the front as well. Didn't crash out of the race, which is a bit rare this season from Vietti, really, with a fourth place finish. And Jake Dixon. Let's have a talk about Jake. Finished fifth place. Sort of didn't really, I was going to say picked up where Sam sort of crashed out, but still got a good good position for Jake. Claimed that didn't really look like he was having good feeling with the bike throughout the weekend. Didn't seem too confident on the grid like he normally does. But Jack, what did you think of his his race? He just sort of stayed on and just sort of kept his head down by the look of it. Yeah, he got fortunate with the red flag because the first start he had was quite terrible. He dropped from he dropped down to thirteenth after a bit of contact with Canis. The second re- second start he did much better. He didn't lose too many positions and he just did what Jake usually does and come on through the last half of the race. And given the race was shortened by quite a lot of laps. Mm. I reckon had the race gone a bit longer, he might have had a chance at the podium, but still top his first top first top drive first dry top five finish of the season, so I think that's certainly good for him. I think now you've mentioned that he actually may have said on social media that he would have Yeah, shame it was only a fourteen lap race as as was coming on strong. Uh I'm happy with the position in the bag though. So he feels as well if the race had gone on longer that he would have been further towards the front. Uh, was nine tenths behind Vietti and one point five seconds behind Lopez. So I don't think a podium would have been in the, on the cards. 
but it was still a good result for Jake. Keeps him nicely in sixth in the championship with Sam Lowe's behind him in seventh. So Brit seventh, sixth and seventh after their starts to the season. Not too bad at this point, Dawn. Yeah, that's good. And I think he's changed his mindset a bit because I think last season it was push, push, push. I've, I've got to get a win. I want to get a win. And he'd crash or something. Where now I think he knows if he hasn't quite got the pace, he's quite happy to just have a good race get some valuable points and just bring the bike home. I do think he's changed a bit and he matured a bit that way. So long may it continue because, you know, you don't have to keep winning the races, but if you're consistent, you can make your way up to the top of that championship. Yeah, they are really putting in some consistent results and a race win would be nice for Jake because I think it would increase his attention from the MotoGP teams as well, especially the Gas Gas MotoGP team. Doubt we'd get a ride there next year, though, with the links of Acosta as well to to Red Bull and uh, mm-hmm. the talk that's been been going around. He could potentially be there next year, but all just speculation at the moment. Rory Skinner, the last Brit on the grid in Moto Two, um, sort of just a rookie weekend. Really, didn't really seem to have much of a a, a pace around Le Mans. Crashed out of the race. His second DNF of the season. Jack, anything more than just sort of, not rookie error as such, but just a, a learning weekend again, I guess? Yeah, you sort of get that feeling, feeling just, I feel like he's maybe improving in lap time, but the problem is all the other rookies and all that kind of stuff, like Sergio Garcia, etc., are all moving up as well. So I think Rory's just got to try and stay calm and hope the process just comes naturally and Hopefully, maybe the second half of the season, he can start getting inside to get, start trying to fight for higher positions. But for now, he's just got to try and finish every race and try and learn as much as possible. Yeah. Um. Again, his best result this season, I think, has been nineteenth. Yeah, nineteenth in America. Um. But no, he's he's slowly and surely improving. But it's just finding his feet at certain circuits still as well that he hasn't been too much. And hopefully, it will start to come towards the end of the year. Um, his teammate, Sean Dillon Kelly, did all right, scrapping with Sam towards the end for, for 15th. And I've just seen it again. I've completely forgotten about it. You mentioned it earlier. Pedro Acosta. I completely <laughs> skipped over my mind with Arbelino. Um A rare sort of mistake from Acosta. I think it happened last year in Le Mans as well, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Crashed out of the race. Jack, what was your reaction when you saw Pedro actually go down because it's not something that we're used to sort of this season at all. Uh, I guess Le Mans is not a very good place for him because he's crashed every <laughs> single time he's been there. Has he? Yeah, he crashed that. at turn three in 2021. He crashed at turn six in 2022. He's crashed at turn seven in 2023. Oh, he's making his way around, man. Yeah, he's making his way around. Yeah, he'll be turn eight next year. But um, he was looking good. He looked uh, to have good pace. And I think he's just lots of riders getting caught out and unfortunately just tipped into turn seven and lost the front so I think he's annoyed at himself but it's, but it's his first proper DNF since Le Mans last year so he'll just have to deal with it he won at Mugello last year so I don't think that'll be worrying him too much and try and claw back the points he's lost in Arbolino but I think he'll be annoyed that he's lost so many points in when he had a quite easy second place probably in his mind that he could have picked up instead yeah I'm just looking at the races that we have coming up as well one at Mugello last year was second place in Germany but then he didn't race in Assen or Silverstone did he last season he was injured yeah and those would be the next two straight after um the Saxon ring where Kazakhstan has has now been been called off so could be two tricky rounds for Costa after that he needs sort of I say needs it would be best if he could get two race wins now under his belt at uh, Mugello and Saxon Ring and then see where he's at for, for Assen and, and, and Silverstone. But, you know, he's, he's not in a bad place. He's still second in the championship. Still, you know, I, I was going to say only. But, he, you know, 25 points behind. Anything can happen in Moto2. We've seen that. You know, bad luck could strike for Abelino at some point this season and Acosta just needs to be there to pick up the pieces. Um, Moto3... Uh, the French fans, I imagine, would be happy with that. Not the uh, be happy with the result for the team, not exactly the rider. Spanish rider won, 
Daniel Hogado. But for Tech Free, who are obviously a French team, don't I think they said over the weekend Tech Free have never won at Le Mans in any class, I don't think. Yeah, I'll just check that. <laughs> I don't think I think I heard that, but I don't want to now say that and it'd be completely wrong. But anyway, Holgado, Dawn, I think you had him down as your dark horse for the championship this season. Yeah, and I think so, didn't I? yeah, and he's really what what have you made of him, especially at Le Mans and throughout the season so far? Because he's he's made a big step since even just making that step back to the Tech Three team as such. Yeah, and like um. I found the, the Moto3 race quite sort of mallow, really. Yeah. And I remember just saying, I think the last couple of laps, they're just going to really go for it. But he controlled the race. And even when Sasaki was um, trying to, you know, eye up a, an overtake move, he fought straight back. He just seems to have really matured and definitely controlled the race on Sunday. Yeah, he really, yeah. when Because we always think, when you think of the, the Red Bull teams in Moto3, you think uh, Sasaki, you think Onchu would have been the mm-hmm. one at the start of the season to be there. But yeah, again, a sixth place finish in Le Mans. And I'm just going to quickly figure out where Onchu is in the Moto3 championship. Uh, he's down in 10th place behind Rueda in the championship. So Holgado really is, is doing the business for, for Red Bull and especially for home team Tech3. Jack, did you find anything online about the... They didn't. They were, I would have thought maybe in twenty in two thousand when the Carter and Jack were fighting for the championship, they could have won. But it was won by Okada, so no Okada, Okawa. So we so, really managed to pull him before. Ah, so that was the yeah big step for the team then. And you know, like I said, MotoGP they did well as well. So a good weekend for Tech Three all around. Dawn, you mentioned Sasaki, a second place, sort of where we expect to see Sasaki. I think we all had him down as. Or a few, two of us maybe had him down as champion yeah. for this year. I can't exactly yeah. remember who we had. But sixth place in the championship. Not been a, an awesome start to the season for Sasaki, but it's definitely pulling in the results now. Jaume Massia, I think me and you, Dawn, both had him down for this weekend as yeah. the race winner. And third place, so not bad at all from him. Just going to look down. Uh, ah, yeah, Scott Ogden. It just... It just seemed like a round for the whole of the, the Vision Track racing team that just didn't work. It just seems like a round that they need to just put the behind them now and move on from. Josh Watley finished last in 22nd place. Scott Ogden didn't finish after a high side out of, I can't remember what corner it was out of, but early on. Well, sorry. Oh, yeah. About midway through the race as well for, for Scott. Jack, anything else to add other than just it's a weekend that they should really just need to put behind them and move on now? Yeah, I think it's just a track because it's a lot of straight straight line braking and gassing out, and that's where the Honda doesn't work unless it's a Leopard Honda, it seems. So I think it's just the the well, it's got to like her ref, the 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 bike's got some strengths, but the problem is its strengths don't lend itself towards racing. So I think that's a, just a problem they've got at the moment and I don't think it's going to get any better, to be honest. I think they've just got to pray that some, tra- like Saxon Ring, maybe they can, more cornering, they can do a bit better, but I think it's just going to just bite your teeth and get through it and just try not, just trust in themselves and they know the package is only limited to a certain potential and not beat themselves up over it. Yeah, yeah. Again, it just seemed like one of those weekends, really, for the whole team. And hopefully, like you said, somewhere like Saxon Ring, they'll be able to put together a good result. One rider I did want to mention as well, Joel Kelso, I thought. Um, how long has he been back from injury now? One round. One round. Yeah. How did he do in Haref? I can't quite... Well, I, mean, I can't remember if he pulled out or he got... I can't remember. Yeah, I don't think he did amazingly at Haref on his return. But an 11th place at Le Mans... I thought was a decent result considering the injury he picked up at Portimao and it was glad to see him back up there and running in the points. I thought he's a, a rider that a lot of people are a fan of and I was glad to see him there again. Uh, just having a quick look through. David Alonso and Rueda in the points again. Eighth and ninth for the two of them. Um, but yeah, other than that, oh, Diogo Moreira. should probably mention the, the man who was joint leader of the championship. Was he joint or was he just behind? He was joint leader after Texas. Ah, right. So a man who was in the championship fight, let's say, uh, crashed out of the race 
in Le Mans. Bit of a, 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 a strange one, I thought, from the angles I'd seen. And it just, yeah, Dawn, it wasn't the, the result that Diogo would have wanted or the MT Helmets MSI team. What did you think of Marrera? Because he's been strong all season. Just like we said with Vision Track, just one of those races that happens sort of thing. Yeah, just, just one man to put behind you. Because all these young riders like Scott, they put so much effort and work in it before each round with the training and everything. And then it just sometimes doesn't always go to plan when it's sort of race day. And there, But they've just got to put it behind them and just think, well, there's another race, another round, and just be positive about it. Yeah, I expect him to be uh, fighting again throughout the season. I've just looked at his results. Yeah. That's only his fourth DNF in his whole time in Moto3, in his second season in Moto3 now. Only picked up three DNFs last year in his rookie year. One at Mugello, though, was one of his DNFs. So that's one to, to think about going into next round for Marrera. But I imagine he'll be there for the end of the season like he was last year as well. So I'm sure he'll pick up eventually again this season. Um, just trying to think if there's any other riders that needed mentioning before we move on to a quick mention of the northwest before we run out of time this week i don't think there was anything else that happened this weekend was there no motor e return. Oh, of course yeah motor e jordy torres won race one and race two was matteo ferrari yeah but again i like motor e good seeing jacati running that now I find it entertaining, the racing, just because they just knock absolute lumps out of each other throughout the race. <laughs> They're just wild sprint races. Um, yeah, good to see that back. Let's go on to the Northwest. Bit of drama around it. I've just looked at our timer. We have 14 minutes to try fit this into. Um, <laughs> should we go straight for it then? Jack, the FHO drama. <laughs> how do we How do we describe that other than it was handled poorly by the organizers yeah very confusing carbon wheels are standard on the m1000 rr2023 model however northwest said you can't use that despite the fact you can use it the tc in every other road racing championship so it's a bit strange and then they obviously got told they couldn't race before the race but yeah you've got people like Sealy who are running a 2023 model of sorts so it's question how they can run but they can't and it's very confusing but essentially the basis is they run carbon wheels. You're not allowed to use carbon wheels, so they, they weren't allowed to race. That's as simple as it gets. We'll go with that. But then the controversy comes in from the fact that that wasn't picked up on and they weren't told about this until they were on the grid for the first super stock race, wasn't it, on the Thursday yeah, evening? Yeah, the problem is you can't buy aftermarket wheels, for Al- so you can't put aluminium yeah. wheels on. So it's, a, it's, a, so it's basically it's an illegal bike. It's a lose-lose pretty much really yeah. for, for FHO at that point. They did get told on the Thursday evening, while on the grid, Josh Brooks and Hickman were both there on, on the grid for the race in their levers. Both got ejected from the racing. And then FHO came out with a statement and said they were going to leave the Northwest, and they did. They upped and left, took their bikes with them, didn't take part in the super bike racing, didn't take part in the other super stock race on the Saturday. And... I think that was as as simple and as sort of the best way you can describe it without going into the confusing rule book that the Northwest probably have that I've seen all over Twitter on that Thursday night. <laughs> but otherwise, other than the sort of the way it was organised and the way it was run on, I still thought the racing around the the Northwest was very good as normal. What what were your thoughts of the the? Was it the, the six races we had there, the eight races that took place? Yeah, they were all really, really good, very entertaining. The first race, I think, was a super sport race, and that was so close. I don't think I've ever seen such close racing at all. That was on the Saturday. Um, but, yeah, the, the racing didn't disappoint, but it, it was just the same that it just seemed that nearly every race, unfortunately, had a red flag, which I can't say I remember quite it being that that bad at the Northwest. And I'd just like to wish Lee Johnson... Yeah. a speedy recovery because his injuries have come out that nobody really suspected him to be as bad as they have been so I think it might be a long road of recovery for Lee but no I think the Northwest always sets everybody up ready for the TT and I think everybody's just sort of really excited and can't wait for that to happen now yeah um, 
yeah, I'm glad you just mentioned that about Lee. Uh, the, yeah, big crash for Lee in a super sport. Wasn't it in a practice session, the la- their last practice session, or was it in... Yeah. It in qualifying, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, in, their, in their qualifying session, uh, got taken away in the air ambulance to hospital. Originally was told that it wasn't sort of serious injuries for, for Lee and he'd be sort of uh, fine by what the organisers released. But it's since come out on Lee's personal social medias where um, it wasn't exactly uh, fine and dandy, I guess, as the Northwest were, were making out for Lee. He'd been in intensive care. Um, this was released, when was this? Yesterday, they'd said about this. And uh, it happened on Thursday. Uh, he spent three days on a ventilator, eight hours in surgery. Uh, he had a broken femur. Uh, shoulder uh, a break in his foot and in his face and a number of broken ribs and a collapsed lung so again we can question the organizers all we like from what they'd said but at the moment the only thing we 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 should question and sort of point out is we hope lee does have a a a smooth and and swift recovery after what he's he suffered at the northwest because it doesn't sound great from what what he's been through this last week um but yeah the racing was good uh we saw davy todd alice Cecily, richard cooper and glenn Irwin really dominate the the week as such in terms of racing richard cooper in the super twin class uh alice Cecily in the super stock class davy todd in the super sport class and glenn Irwin on the super bike they were really the four dominant riders michael dunlop was there or about in majority of the racing as well and jeremy mcwilliams took a podium in one of the super twin races which i don't know how he still does it really when you look at him on a podium yeah. It, uh, he uh yeah i don't know how old. i'm gonna quickly look how old jeremy williams is because he just doesn't does not look like he should be allowed on a motorbike anymore when you see him now 59 59? who is he he is 59 yeah wow he will be oh no he turned 59 this year he'll be 60 next year and he'll probably still be there at the northwest yeah. as well <laughs> yeah somehow still going along um yeah northwest setting up for the tt looking forward to that at uh, the end of this month i think we figured out last week um but yeah bsb this weekend super pole uh it's gonna happen again at donington park you are both gonna be there on the saturday and the sunday sounds like you're both gonna be very busy with uh what you've t- told me from before <laughs> this podcast started um let's do some quick predictions shall we for for bsb this weekend dawn i'll go to you first who do you think's gonna be sort of the top performer as such in bsb around donington i can't help but think it might be glenn Irwin. i just think you know he's had a very successful northwest 200 he's going to come off there you know really feeling happy and, and in great form so I do think we may get three different race winners. I don't know, but I'm tipping Glenn Irwin, possibly Kyle Ride. He he has been in a few track days and things that um, Ride are coaching around there recently and that. So I think it's going to be Glenn Irwin and Kyle Ride. Is it the Grand Prix circuit this weekend? Yes. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, so you're going, yeah, Glenn Irwin does look like he's going to be strong he's, he's off a high he's leading the championship yeah. at the moment as well good call really jack who do you think is going to be the dominant force around donington park well, you've yeah. obviously got the riders probably done the most laps around donington ever in haslam he's had three podiums you've got just fho guys they'll be angry after the northwest 200 and they'll be wanting to josh will be wanting to get back on the podium and peter will want to gain his first podium in the season so i think they'll be strong kyle and the two pbm boys you'll tell me He's more than capable. It's a, it's a park as well, so he can definitely win. Jason O'Halloran, he won. He was the best rider in the sprint race last year. He wasn't Tom Sykes, so he could be. He'll be wanting to be there. Uh, so I think no, those are your main six. Um, but I'm trying to think of like maybe an Andrew Irwin or a Danny Buck and can be in there. So I'm trying to think of yeah, you know, Jack Kennedy, Camp Danny, you know, seven people. But I think you got those are your main six: Josh, Jace. Glenn, Tommy, Kyle, and Haslam. They're your six for me. But I don't know which one of them will win. I was going to say, if you had to pick one name out of those six. Yeah, if I'm going to say one name, it will pick up the most points yeah. after this round. I'll go with 
just out of experience, I'll go with Leon Haslam. Yeah. Yeah. I think Leon Leon is the dominant force, uh, sort of experience wise around there. Uh I'm gonna join you with a BMW pick. I'm gonna go purely just because he's probably gonna be fuming. It's Josh Brooks. And we've seen what he can do this season. Uh we saw it at Silverstone, sort of faded a bit at Alton Park, but I think purely to sort of he'll just turn up there with not anger as such, but he'll just want to sort of show that he can perform and what he should have done at the Northwest, and he'll probably do it around Donington. Another man who has probably done countless laps around Donington Park as well, like Leon Haslam has, both got the experience. All three of those are very good calls for this weekend, and I think it's going to be exciting racing all round. Uh, Dawn, what's the, the situation with the teams that that you're with this season are they both at Donington Park this weekend yes they are yeah and uh, we're hoping that perhaps Tontaparis with McAdam Racing uh, can get on the podium again because he tested round Donington and uh, unfortunately the weather wasn't too brilliant but at least he's got a bit of data from there because that, that's the only thing with Tom he hasn't raced on every circuit so we're really hoping perhaps uh, he can do something because it's his birthday today. So happy birthday, Tom. So hopefully we can celebrate with the cake Prosecco and uh, some silverware. Yeah, that would be a, a good weekend for McAdam Racing as a whole. And happy birthday to Tom from the High Side News podcast. Um, yeah, uh, I don't think there's anything else that we need to discuss really this week. I think that's everything. MotoGP, the Northwest, BSB this weekend. Um the weather looks good from what I looked earlier for, for Donington Park this weekend. You're both going to be there Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, sounds like you're you're on for a good weekend around Donington. Fingers crossed for McCannum Racing and Supersport and Mortimer in Talent Cup as well. Uh, yeah, thank you both for joining me. It's been a, a, a pleasure as always for the 13th episode now of the High Side News podcast. Uh, make sure to follow the High Side News account on Facebook and Instagram on at High Side News. And also make sure to follow Short Shift, Short Shift News and all of us on social media. All the links will be down in the description of wherever you're watching the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening and goodbye.